Welcome to the start of season three of Crescent Moon Kids podcast. In the beginning of this whole journey, I wasn't sure how it would all play out. And even though I felt confident about the content I'm sharing, I had never really shared information on such a scale as a podcast before. So if you've been with me from the beginning, I appreciate your interest. If you've just joined, I hope you go back to the beginning of season one and catch all of the episodes. So here we are starting the third season and I'm really excited to share some new content with you and hopefully some really helpful information. So today I want to talk about feelings, emotions, that can be a loaded word for some people, maybe a turnoff for some, still others. You might just want to completely avoid the subject. It might be just too painful. You might not want to revisit feelings from childhood or some other traumatic experience. So I under completely understand that. But what if I told you that helping your child recognize and own, quote, own their feelings is one of the most important things you can do as a parent? So during this episode, I want to share with you some wisdom from my nearly 30 years of teaching in a Montessori classroom and also my 35 plus years of being a mom. When I first started teaching, like many new teachers, I was focused on what I deemed the most important aspect of teaching, which was the academics, the content of the lessons and all that. And I wanted to make sure my students were learning and progressing, and, and I take that very seriously today. However, I also know that there's more to the healthy development of kids. And by the way, this does relate to kids of all ages. So you can just kind of tailor the things that I suggest based on your child's age. So early on, I was focused on the academics, and that was all fine and dandy until there was a time when I had to deal with the possible challenging behavior or maybe a conflict between two students or, or an upset child. And so then I began to realize over time that I had a lot more to learn as an educator and as a parent so I could really help my students and my own children. Because to be able to educate the whole child, we ultimately need to help them with their emotional well-being. So I recognized that to be able to help a child with their feelings, I needed to get in touch with my own. So that meant a journey of self-discovery for me, which encompassed a lot of different things, workshops, seminars, reading a lot. And I understood I really needed to uncover anything I might have repressed or tapped down be because I needed to be able to get in touch with my emotions before I could help someone else. So an interesting side note to this is that even if we don't choose to heal ourselves or get in touch with our inner feelings, when we interact with kids, whether as, as a parent or a teacher or a caregiver, it will lead us to the deepest, darkest places of ourselves. And so kids have a way of doing that. They have a way of calling up a lot of stuff and triggering us in, in ways we really sometimes don't want to happen. But it is really the ultimate invitation to heal ourselves. And it's, it's a gift. And it's a pretty profound discovery that I made as both a mom and, and a teacher. So however you get there, getting in touch with your emotions is the best way to qualify as a guide for your child's emotional journey.
And in my opinion, one of the most important aspects of a healthy emotional life is to understand that if I notice something, whether positive or negative, in someone else, that quality is also within me. If I get triggered by somebody whining, a child whining, I try to ask myself, I try to remember, I ask myself, what am I whining about? Maybe it's just a different version of what we might consider, quote, whining. Or, you know, maybe I've been complaining or having negative self-talk. So there are many versions of that thing that tripped you out. But the point is, if I get triggered by someone else's behavior, I need to take a look at my own behavior. So I've also discovered that when we're triggered, we probably have unresolved feelings with deep within, and we want to blame someone else rather than look to the root cause. So when we recognize and honor and own that trigger, that is the first step. And one way to come to terms with this is to really take a look at it and, and maybe even thank that other person for the opportunity to look at ourselves more deeply. And then we have a chance to look in the mirror at ourselves and have a deeper awareness of our own feelings. So in children, this process is a whole lot easier because they haven't spent years piling up unresolved issues, unresolved feelings. And once they understand their anger is not about the other person or their sadness or whatever, they can uncover the source of that that discomfort much easier. And I usually try to let them know that what they were doing before they own their feelings was called projection. And that's something that a lot of people do and aren't really aware of. But instead of being able to say, this is my anger and I feel such and such, I want to blame you because you are the cause of it. And, and so I try to really help kids understand that it isn't about the other person. So here's a scenario for you. So Harry comes up to me and says, Julie made me mad. So I respond, Julie can't make you mad. Your anger is a choice. You feel mad because she said you couldn't play, but that anger belongs to you. You just didn't like what she said. And so then I usually try to call the two children together, invite Harry to say to Julie, I felt mad when you said I couldn't play. So then he's owning his feelings without blaming her. Then she might say, well, I didn't want you to play because the last time you did, you hit me. So as we often discover, there's usually a deeper level of conflict than what's on the surface initially. And so, and so hopefully through that guided dialogue, the two children can come to a deeper level of peacefulness with each other and then also a connection with their own emotions. So a child who's melting down, maybe having a tantrum, is reacting in big ways and they could be having this stuck emotion. So Again, if we reflect back to the child, what we see happening with their body, their voice, their their physical appearance will help them to develop this understanding and awareness and a better attitude about their own emotions. I'm sure you can come up with many ways of responding to an upset child, but I also know from just experience that a lot of people just struggle because they don't really know what to do. And so I'd like to offer some suggestions. So the first rule of thumb is just take a deep breath. Whenever there's something going on, a child is upset, a child is is frustrated, angry, sad, crying, tantruming, whatever it is, 
take a deep breath, and then try to just stay calm and, and approach the child in that focused manner. So here's a scenario. If your child is crying because her sister wouldn't play with her, you can say, I see big tears coming from your eyes. You got your feelings hurt. You feel sad because she doesn't want to play with you right now. It's okay for her to tell you no, and it's also okay for you to feel sad about it. Why don't I sit with you while your tears are coming? So that gives her the opportunity to really feel it and understand that it is her feeling. Here's another scenario. Let's say your daughter is having a meltdown because she doesn't want to go to bed. So you can say, I noticed you were stomping your feet and growling with your voice. You must feel mad and maybe disappointed because you weren't done playing and it's already bedtime. It's okay to feel angry and frustrated and disappointed, but let's come up with a new plan to play again tomorrow evening. So this gives her an opportunity to, again, recognize her feelings and and honor them and then find a way to have hope for the future. So here's another one. Let's say your son is getting ready to go outside and is refusing to get his coat and boots on. So you could say, sometimes it feels challenging and even overwhelming to get dressed by yourself. But I know you're strong. I know you can do things that are hard. And I'm going to trust that you'll be able to finish getting ready so we can go outside together. Sometimes I know it can feel like you just want to give up and have someone else do it. But I know that you are capable So let me know if you need help with anything. So here's a little side note um, to this whole thing. Young children are capable of doing so many things. And as they get older, it just increases and it just uh, expands upon those abilities. And sometimes in the beginning, they don't even know what they're capable of. And so it's really our job to help them help themselves. We can encourage them, we can offer prompts, we can ask if there's a certain part that feels too hard, maybe one step of the process, and we can give them a new lesson, a new experience with learning how to do that task. Because all of these approaches give the child an opportunity to see himself in a new light and see the the ability he has. And most of all, they need patience when they're learning a new skill, and they need us to allow them to make mistakes. So here's another scenario. Let's say it's time to put toys away or clean their room and the kids often balk at that idea. So they often do all kinds of things to avoid that that task. You can say, it looks like you're not wanting to put the toys away. I wonder if you feel mad because it's time to stop playing. So when your mom gets home from work, we can do it together. But right now, let's get started. Would you like to put away the blocks or the puzzles first? So giving choices is a great way to help a child be more willing to cooperate. And again, you're you're honoring the feeling first and then trying to find a solution for how to get that um, child to do what, what you're hoping they will do. And for young children, just offer two choices. As they get older, you can... They can deliberate between several choices, and that can be very empowering. But we also have to stay there and guide and support them because they'll have an easier time doing it if if we're there to offer that support. So basically, um, to 
sort of delineate the process involved in helping children, quote, find their feelings, which is what the title of this podcast is, we first need to be aware of our own triggers and reactions. This helps tremendously. You can stay calm, grounded, focused, and you can say things like, those are some big feelings you're having right now. Or maybe you can say, your wrinkled forehead and tears tell me that you might be feeling sad right now. So if the work that we do to heal ourselves allows us to be present with our kids' feelings, it will be much simpler and more effective. And if you give a name to the intensity of their feelings, it helps them identify what's going on and then be able to claim it and not feel so scared or um, have an aversion to it. And I've noticed over the years that when children have unresolved or repressed feelings, that energy comes out in misguided and and misdirected ways often. They might hit or bite or blame or yell. This idea that emotions are simply energy in motion is a great way to make the whole process less scary. They won't be all-consuming if we simply acknowledge the emotions and if we allow our children to feel them and then to put a voice to it so that it can be released. So another thing I was thinking about when, as I was thinking of the subject and how we deal with our kids is that one of the biggest challenges I've, I think most people have is there's an embarrassment if your child has big emotions when you're out in public. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel embarrassing. But honestly, I will tell you, every parent has had to deal with an upset child at some time or other. Um, we've all had that experience. And so anyone who's not a parent and wants to judge you is just plain narrow-minded and really not qualified to pass judgment. And I know that many times parents look to teachers as sort of, quote, perfect, and they worry that they won't measure up since teachers often know how to help a child or what to say. That's partly because it's our field of choice as a profession. And for me, I've had years of experience, so it just helps to have that um, hands-on experience year after year. And I make sure that, that my, the parents of my students know I was once a parent of young children, too. And so it's just about sharing expertise and some um, ideas. As we acknowledge the perceived emotion of our children, we should also keep in mind that our observation might be wrong and the child may correct you on what your assumption is about what's going on with them. And, and so we have to kind of be mindful of that as well. Maybe your child just wants a hug. You know, maybe she's exhausted and needs help calming down to go to sleep. Or maybe he's feeling sad that he hasn't seen grandma for over a month. So just know that it's good to clarify and then just be able to sit with them, to be able to be there with them with those emotions. And really just tap into your intuition because that will help you a long ways down this path of understanding. I mean, children want to be seen and heard. They want to be recognized. They need help understanding some of those scary feelings. And, and yet they're resilient and strong. And so if we guide them and if we really are there for them, it's, it's amazing what they can do. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention also was that something that will impede this process is bribery or distracting from their feelings. 
Now, I know it can be tempting to use those tactics when we're uncomfortable or we don't know what else to do, we're at a loss, but by by doing that, it sort of um, creates a, a worse issue down the road. If you attempt to engage with your child and honor their feelings, that you'll find that over time they're very receptive and much more um, aware and they can be easily guided. Uh, and when you choose to help them move through the feelings rather than distracting from them, they build this internal mechanism and you'll be helping them to create a, a sustainable coping mechanism that they can use the rest of their lives. So think about those adults you encounter who are volatile. Maybe they're impatient and entitled. They don't have a, the ability to self-regulate. And that is probably an adult whose inner child was not so fortunate to be guided through their emotions. So there might be times when the only thing you can do is distract but for the most part, it's essential for children to get in touch with their whole self, which includes sometimes challenging and ugly feelings. With some guidance from you and some healthy practice and so a lot of patience, um, kids can develop a sophisticated and really rich emotional awareness that will serve them well as they mature into their teen years and their adult years. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time.